Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. And welcome to another amazing episode on the Pace and Freedom. I am your host, James Pace. And on today's episode, I have Raylene Lightheart. You know her as the co-host of Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, but I know her as well as an amazing mother raising her kids in a libertarian way and i admire everything that she does with her kids homeschooling and teaching kids her kids to be these amazing individuals that they are and i relate a lot with her on this because i too have uh, two wonderful kids that i am trying to raise in a libertarian way giving them options letting them know that they own their own bodies, that they're individuals, that they have self-autonomy, and uh, teaching them responsibility as well with their self-ownership and social contracts, negotiation. And it's just a wonderful way to teach kids. They're already born, as Raylene says, anarchist, so it's natural to them. So before I just start giving out the whole episode, basically... But before we get to the conversation, I just want to remind you to make sure to subscribe to the podcast, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Play, and YouTube. So the more you subscribe, the more you get reviews and rates and stuff, the more it is visible to others to listen. Make sure to check out the website, www.paceandfreedom.com. There's a lot of great content there and a lot of great things to look at. There's the merchandise store. There's all the past episodes. There's great discounts with affiliates. And all the social media links are right there on the main website, paceandfreedom.com. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Raylene Lightheart, Raising Libertarians. And welcome to another amazing episode of Pace and Freedom Podcast. I welcome Raylene Lightheart from Blastoff, co-host. And welcome again, Raylene. Thank you for coming back. Hey, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So as I discussed with you, we're going to kind of talk about kids, about raising kids in a uh, libertarian way. I know you have a few. I have a few. I have one coming. So... I mean, we we have our uh, experiences and challenges with raising kids as a libertarian. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people understand it much, but mm-hmm. here we are to talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I know for me, one of the things that I've taught my kids that I've had a huge challenge with, you know, especially them going to school and people kind of not understanding is the whole sharing thing. Um, oh, yeah. I've done a whole segment on that before for my show. Oh, really? I need to actually go back then and look for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things is, and my son has even brought it up to me actually pretty recently this past uh, holidays. Um, you know, I his sister wanted to use his new phone, even though she had a new phone too, but his had a few other features that she didn't have and she wanted to play with them. And he Mm -hmm. didn't want her to have his phone, you know, and trying to uh, explain that to them. 
um, my son brought up very smartly. He's like, dad, you know, at school, I'm always being told that I need to share my stuff, <laughs> but you're telling me that I don't have to. And you know, I'm, uh, How old is he? he's nine. Okay, good. So he's seeing the hypocrisies and arbitrary rules of society. I love this. Absolutely. I know, right? So, you know, I kind of explained to him, it's it's nice to share. Uh, it's something that you can do if you want to. Uh, and you do get certain gratification for sharing your things sometimes. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, nobody can force you to do anything that you don't want to do. You just have to realize that there are certain times where in order to kind of work through things or work with people that you might have to do some compromises, but it should be your choice to make those compromises or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have a, a lot of stuff to say about this. Can I jump in? First and foremost, the very first rules uh, that we have given these children and is don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. That's a very libertarian, uh, that's a slogan of libertarians. Don't hurt people, yes. don't take their stuff. And and that's very easy for the kids to remember. Now, of course, they, I'm going to say this with air quotes, forget that rule when they have self-interest involved at times. They, they, they need to learn to respect property rights. But we kind of bring all rights can be reduced to property rights. Every right we all have is a property right. And so we kind of explain that language to our kids as, as young as three and four. Um, we're teaching them that they own themselves, they own their their minds, they own their voice, what they say, they own all of their interactions, they own those, and, and their property. And so that's just a really good way to start. And the thing about sharing is, um, you know, I've, I, I always say self-interest motivates, but community facilitates. And, and this is how you <clears throat> get along in this world. And so everybody has that self-interest. So, it, of course, the whole sharing thing um, with, you know, your fr- your friends, you'll take your kids over to, to someone's house and and they'll be telling their kids, no, you have to share, you have to share. And, uh, you know, I'm always like, no, they don't have to, sh- if they don't want to share that toy, that's theirs. And that my kids will play with any toy that they want to share with them. And, and, and you have to kind of tell that to just regular people. Everyone thinks right. that they need to force their kids to share, like you're saying. Now- this is where it comes from is um, forced sharing just makes us more greedy. It just makes us feel like we don't have control over ourselves. If, if, if everybody has access to your body when you don't want to give hugs, for example, as a child, that makes them feel like they don't own themselves. You need to give them body autonomy. You need to give them autonomy over their, their things. Now, the next step is saying you don't have to. You only give with a glad heart. Now, Making them recognize that social interactions, if they're giving with a glad heart, that sometimes if you let them play with this, then everybody's having fun and that feels good. And those kids mm-hmm. will like you because you're a kind, uh, right? And right. and also that there's benefit in when you let this, your your sister and brother play with this toy, then they're more likely to let you play with their toys. And and you kind of just teach them the value of the, of negotiating their contracts, wouldn't you say? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I kind of see, I've seen this with my own kids uh, just a couple of nights ago. They were fighting over the Xbox. Yeah, because um, it's a shared, it's public property, right? Like that's right, the thing that's exactly. for everybody. Yeah, it's always where the fights are at our houses, the I public know. property. 
Yeah. <laughs> and my son was like, well, because I told him, I was like, look, the, the Xbox is for both of you. So, you you know, that is something that you must share. He's like, yes, but and he's gotten really, really good about negotiating with certain things, trying to not really like, for example, he was playing a game that I have bought for him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but it's my game. So I was like, okay, granted, right? But again, you have to, is it fun to play that game all by yourself and just watching your sister or hearing your sister complain and be sad about not being able to play? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you having a bad time right now, right? And he's like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you figure out a way where all of you guys can have fun, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's where he was like, okay, uh, Abby, I'll let you uh, watch, um, use my phone. Perfect. And then when I die in the game, you can take a turn. And when you die, then I'll take a turn. And I love that. He like got to thinking of how can I make this better, right? And yeah. still get what I need. Yes, so, absolutely. That's that's very libertarian. That's the most libertarian. And um, what's so crazy, can I just say about the the whole thing about libertarian, raising your kids libertarian, the funniest part about this whole thing is you wouldn't realize it unless you were following all the parenting groups and you, you, know, you, know, that you had your finger on the pulse of parenthood. But the peaceful parenting movement is really big with more of the leftists. Right. Right. Um, so the a lot of the the right right leaning or conservative people out there are very uh, traditional. So they think of how it, it's always been done, and 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 this is just a very broad generalization, of course. And right. but a lot of people out there that are not politically libertarian are parenting their kids in very libertarian ways, where they do give them total ownership of their body. They let them cut their own hair if they want to. They let them choose their own clothing. They they give them choices. They they tell them that they own themselves, which I love that. So I feel like um, a lot of people in those movements are where we can teach the principles of anarchy and liberty. Um, that for, that's for me, at least that's where I, I do a lot of teaching in those places. Um, and that, and then raising your kids with politics is not, not it. It's the ideals and the principles of self-ownership and property rights. Right. So that's what you have to teach the little kids because the politics will come. I mean, there are ways that we do get into the more political things. And that's where we talk about taxes with the kids. That's where we talk about the economy, the Federal Reserve as they get a little older, um, where we talk about cops, definitely about knowing your rights because cops have power over you and they can do anything to you if they so choose and that there are ways to protect yourselves. Um, Again, that's property rights, you know? Right. Yeah. At at what age do you you think it's good or appropriate to start talking about those kind of things with a child because i've kind of started touch on it with my son um especially the whole cop things because he has asked a lot of questions about it so i feel like for me that's the cue okay well this is the time but i don't know for other people or yourself you know when is the good uh, when is the appropriate time well, I, I, so I'm going to be a little more fringe on this than, than people new to libertarianism, probably. Um, I, I am all about protecting children's innocence. 
Um, I don't think that we should protect naivete, but protecting their innocence and keeping them. I mean, they're a little, they're born a little anarchists. They are. They're right. born that way. Exactly. Uh, they understand the principles better than adults do. They just understand them because they make sense logically. They really do. Right. So uh, as far as cops go, if you're putting your children in government schools, they will be getting taught what the government schools want them to learn. And what they're and I know what we were taught as kids about cops was patently untrue compared to what's actually going on out there. It just is. And right. of, of course, I, I did have a life of privilege where my parents never broke the law. We lived in a little town. We were white. I don't know. You can go there all the different ways that we never had any run-ins with the cops except for like tickets for speeding or something, right? Uh, right. Like most people. That said, it was a rude awakening to be an adult a real adult, like way later, it took me so long because I came from the conservative side. I, I'm, ugh, I didn't realize <laughs> how many people were abused by cops. Although I do remember as a kid, my dad teaching me uh, about a, like eleven, never tell a cop anything, always ask for a lawyer. And I right. that I took that very seriously. And he said, never. They trick you and they will lie to you no matter what. And I, I, we never did anything wrong. We didn't break the law. We weren't bad people. But that that resonated with me. And mm -hmm. he was right. My dad was right. Um, that is the kind of thing that you tell your kids. So if they're going to go to school, then you have to combat what they're going to learn from their teachers and the programs and the police that come there with the truth, which means right. – that they do have an unjust power over us and that it's our job to not give them any information that we don't have to um, and, and to protect yourself. And if they see a police officer outside, just come inside, come tell your mom, um, right. th that kind of thing. So that's where I start with the kids and uh, they do ask about it. And now we have, we don't let them watch Paw Patrol or things like that. We, we just don't, inundate them with propaganda about police being the purveyors of morality or right, having right. a justified force and you know that kind of thing you know i have never ever thought about that uh with these shows like paw patrol as a, a propaganda i i just it never i know you know my son had a a few shows kids shows that he liked and i know paw patrol was one of them uh but he was more, I remember him being more into Yo Gabba Gabba, which I think was fine. Um, it's fun. You know. mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. But I never thought about it that way. You know, I never thought about shows like Paw Patrol being propaganda. So that's mm -hmm. interesting. One of the things, and I, the other thing you mentioned that I find very interesting is kids being born essentially anarchists, right? Um, yeah. And now it, for me, it just, it, I see all these, how a lot of parents will force certain things on their kids and why they struggle so much with raising kids by trying to force them to share. And then when the kid reacts to it, like, well, I don't want to share. Yes. For me, the thought is like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, he doesn't want to share. Like that's normal and that's okay. It's but other natural. parents, Exactly. And then, but then you have the parents and then they, they, you know, they'll put them on timeout and it's just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me, it's harmful. 
you're you're not wrong. Um, one of the most harmful things that I can personally speak to was the arbitrary subjective rules being enforced never made sense to me. I was, I'm a very logically driven, uh, big heart, big feelings, but I'm very logically driven of trying to make sense of the world around me. And I've always been that way as a small child. And it never made sense why you felt like everybody, the, the social pressure of disapproval is heavy in, in, in people like me with, with big feels and, and social connection to others. So Taking away the shame and the arbitrary rules, arbitrary, that don't make any sense without explanation or some kind of consistent principles, if we take that away, you give your kids safety, security, and the freedom to be authentic, which is true happiness. So we should be encouraging that from the beginning. Now, of course, it's really good to lead by example in sharing. But when I remember my my best friend, she told me just, I mean, just two weeks ago, she said something. She goes, I remember when you broke it down for me and told me, why are you forcing your kids to share and that you're not forced to share? And I was telling her that. I go, you're not forced to share. And can you imagine <clears throat> everybody saying, okay, we get to take your food because we want it, you know? Right. And when I was explaining that, just breaking it down, she realized that that is a way that she was disempowering her children. That she was, she realized that it wasn't fair that we have these rules for kids that are not made for adults. And that goes to all the rules for, for children. Um, we, we owe them explanations to mm-hmm. understand the world that they're growing up in. And I think that that's how you raise your kids to be libertarian, to ask questions, to seek understanding for why things are the way they are, and also to embrace being, having uh, values um, principles right. and things that are are black and there are black and white things like property rights. There are black and white right. things of um, love your neighbor and try to help them as long as it's not to a detriment to yourself or um, and, and it's not an obligation. It's a choice when you give freely from your heart. That's where the reward is. That's exactly the kind of thing that you can't put people in social debt without their consent. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing too, I was thinking is, have you ever been in that situation where you're dealing with something with your kids and you, you're you about to automatically react because that's just the way that reaction is the reaction that your parents had. Oh, and then you like, yeah. not be, uh, you know, you just hit the brakes and you're like, okay, hold on. Sometimes my son, my son has he's in the spectrum of autism and, you know, sometimes he has tantrums. He's a lot better now. You know, we've worked with him a lot and I'm just always impressed at how well he does in comparison to maybe in some other kids situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the things he still has these tantrums, right. And my automatic reaction is to just tell him, stop yelling, you know, sit down, you know, now it's like, it's more natural now after a few times of me like Practice. hitting the brakes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, okay, why are you yelling? Is the question now that I ask them. Why are you are upset? Instead of just. Yes. Having a conversation with this person, help them feel secure, and then uh, relay through self-discipline. You're literally explaining how you are teaching yourself to exercise self-discipline like we should have learned as children instead of just following rules and orders. 
Exactly. To get, to get approval. Um, you are embodying what it is to be a libertarian by questioning why and how you do things and making a choice based on your principles. So you are actually leading by example by doing that. It's hard work as parents. You know, I have five kids and two are adults now. And I, I, I was a great mom in, in so many ways, but there were things that I did wrong, um, which were echoing what my parents did. And there was authoritarianism big time, uh, that I, I mean, I still am the authority with my children because I've been charged to take care of them. That said, I do it in a respectful manner. And I have noticed huge leaps and bounds that when I explain something logically to one of the kids, even the little kids, and Mm -hmm. then in a self-disciplined way, in a way that I'm trying to teach them as opposed to do what I want or I won't love you kind of feeling that kids take away from that. That's what they do. Right. Instead, it's it's what's going on? How can I help you? And then you teach them how to manage their feelings, which is what adults don't know how to do right now. Exactly. And and if and it is practice and it is all about self-discipline and that is part of self-ownership. You know, libertarians always uh, get blamed for being like, um, like, like we're not loving or we're, we're like that we're all selfish. And, and no, everybody is, has self-interest, every single human being on this earth. And that's what human action is all about. Right. We all know that right. part of economics and, um, for the free markets and in Austrian economics. So you take those exact principles, libertarianism, libertarianism also describes being responsible for your property. And how you mm-hmm. handle it. It also means you're in charge of your mind. You're in charge of your body. You have to be responsible for how you act and what you do. You have to take it's you have to take care of your property. You have to lock your doors and you are responsible for taking care of your house. It's not the police that's responsible. Right. It's you. Um, and we have to do that with our parenting too. And you know, my my daughter says, Wow, I really wish I wasn't the first. And she laughs because <laughs> she's teasing me, right? Because right. I I I learned that. When she was a teenager, all of a sudden she she was a perfect kid. She was an amazing child, but she started rebelling, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't anything bad. She was so good, but it was just her way of rebelling against me and being angsty and angry at me. And it's because she needed more freedom in her heart. She needed more freedom, and she needed to have a lot less expectations of her socially, that uh, free of codependency. Basically, uh, do you know anything right. about codependency? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I, yeah, when I was realizing like, why isn't she just doing what I want her to do? Cause I'm trying to help her, um, right. you know, like about college and uh, her career and her, her schooling. And when I was like the feeling that I wasn't doing my job, if she didn't have, if she, w- if she made any mistakes or if she didn't do the very best possible thing for herself. Once I realized that she is responsible for herself and that I've given her all the tools, she has learned all the lessons and I just need to let her do it. And that was part of me being more self-disciplined and taking my own ego out of it and saying, she's a good person. She knows what's right. Let her do this and just be there when she needs support. And that's what I'm kind of doing with the little kids is be there when they need support. If I'm self-disciplined, they'll learn how to do it too. Exactly. I I know for me, I was, I'm always surprised at how much kids actually understand, mm-hmm. right? And they, they get it more than we do because we've been brainwashed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
and it's just it's such a hard concept for adults to uh, just think that a kid can understand something as simple as you know property rights. And to my surprise, I didn't think so either. I was like, you know what? I want to teach my kids this because, you know, I know these are my principles now Mm -hmm. and I don't want to teach the same principles as my parents, Mm -hmm. but are they really going to understand? And I always worry about this when I try to explain to to my son and to my daughter um, these things. And they always surprise me at how much they do understand. They always understand it. And it's really important that not only are you teaching them the the concepts, give them the words. Say property right. rights in the conversation. Say negotiation. Negotiate your contracts, guys. Like uh, right. my daughter was upset that my son didn't want to play a video game with her. He, she, her feelings are hurt. She's very emotional. You know, she's tender heart. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's a very logical little boy. And she, her feelings are hurt. And she comes and tells me I'm sad, you know, and I, I, I walked her back in and I said, so Lincoln, this is how Adelie feels when you don't want to play with her. Is it because you don't want to play with her? Is it about her or is it just because you want to play a game by yourself? And I get that conversation going. So to help them negotiate the, their social situations and, and explain like, you know, communicate, communication is important and uh, libertarians learn how to do that too. So uh, she, it ended up that He's like, well, actually, I just don't want to play this game. So I like these games. I love playing with her. I love her. And I want to play these games with her. And I then I so I told her, I said, okay, so it's not you. It's the game. So you can either play a different game so you can have fun with your brother if that's what you're looking for. Or you can play this game that you want to play by yourself if that's more important to you. And it's your choice right now to, to play. Right. And just kind of n- helping them learn that it not to take everything personally, right? Not everything right. Is, uh, about people liking you or not liking you. And that, I mean, that it's funny. Libertarianism does not get talked about with emotional things. We don't talk about libertarianism with feelings, but we should because there is, um, there's so much freedom in our social contracts with other people that we, we create and follow. And, um, it well, I hate to say social contract, that's the wrong word, but social interactions is what I should say. And that we can negotiate our contracts in social situations as well. And think about how liberating that is when you realize you strip down all these invisible rules that are silly, that are all based on other people's egos and their own self-esteem. And you teach right. your kids to act with confidence, assume don't ensue, assume other people's intent, communicate get to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what it's about to be radical. It means to the root. Right. You know, that's the the one thing I do struggle right now with my son. And I don't think it's anything but, you know, just him still working through his social cues Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, the, the being in in the spectrum. And I don't know if you've ever had to, to deal with uh, kids in the spectrum, but one of the things they, they really do miss the social cues and do you lack awareness? Uh, awareness, exactly. Especially when they're super sensory and they can get in their own heads, and um, or just be feeling whatever they're feeling in their bodies, and it's really hard to. It's the empathy that you're trying to teach, and, right? And it is the social stuff that's that's hard to communicate. Um, what's working for you right now? So I think mainly just it's still a, a uphill battle. Um, you know, but something that I noticed that does 
help a lot is the whole negotiation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Not just for him, but even for my daughter, right? Yep. She's yes. gotten more in tune on how to deal with his brother, which I thought that impressed me because that was never my intention. Uh, She's the fact very that social, she- though. So, right. And girls are naturally sometimes more social sometimes, uh, but, but it's very common. And so if she's able to pick up on those things, then she's probably adapting her style to what works. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, a perfect example is, you know, she, uh, she just recently lost a tooth mm-hmm. and right. yeah, I know. Right. And she believes in the tooth fairy and she gets, her uh, little prize, her, by the way, inflation is real, even in, in the kids' world. Yes, uh, she gets is. a dollar for her tooth. I remember only getting a dime. So, and she's been saving up this money. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she was playing with her brother and um, just abruptly, he didn't want to play anymore. And she yeah. wanted to continue playing. And, Oh no, that's not what it was. They they stopped playing, but they had to pick up. And even though he was playing with her, he just didn't want to clean up with her. Yes. And he she actually <laughs> suggested, Jimmy, if you pick up with me and you help me clean, I will take you out with the money that I've earned to go get candy with you. And you can Aww. share and I'll share the candy with you. And he like, okay, that sounds like a great deal. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna like yeah, so I'm going to help her clean. I was shocked. She came up with that that all by herself. Yeah. Without, you know. And how old is she? She's only seven. Oh, yeah. She's got this. She's got this. I know, right? Yeah. So that was very impressive. And I, and I told her, I was like, well, you know, you don't have to like, you know, you've been saving up that money for other things. You don't have mm-hmm. to do it that way. And she's like, it's okay. I have $10 in my piggy bank. What's $1? You know, and I thought that was so <laughs> it's cute. Worth it to her to to exactly. That's great, and and that can be applied to not just social relationships, but also hiring people because of time preference. So I right. really enjoy, and I always break down economics. So does my husband. We, my husband, loves it. Actually, I have a funny tooth fairy story for you too. Sure. So let's hear it. Um. So my husband has decided that you know he's uh he's so great. He's challenging all of his beliefs and his ideas too. Um, that's where we're both at. And he said, I don't know if I believe in telling the kids about the tooth fairy because I don't want to lie to the kids. And so I'm of the mind. I'm like, I totally don't, we don't lie to the kids. It's not what we do. But I said, (laughs) I really like enjoying magic. So that's where I'm at with it. And we've already been doing it with the other kids. So what do we do now then? I don't want to be like, like, make them freak out in the way we, we bring it up. How do we do that? So he goes, so right. he comes home and uh, the, one of the kids lost their teeth. This is um, like six months ago. And he said, I'll tell you what, you lost this tooth and I know you can give it to the tooth fairy, but I pay more than the tooth fairy. So I would like to start buying all of your teeth from you. So he actually circumvented and we kind of uh, edged out the tooth fairy out of our lore <laughs> by offering to pay more. And, and they understand the economics of that because oh, we, wow. we always teach it to them. So Adelie, uh, we have a, another couple that lives with us um, and they're the kids as godparents. And Adelie is 11 and she just found out that Erica wants to buy her teeth also. So she's going to have an auction and take the highest bid 
for her teeth, Aww. which is hilarious, right? I, right? She comes up the other day and she goes, Erica, I heard that you want to buy my teeth, so you might be in a competition with daddy, right? That's what she says to him, right? <laughs> so, that is so my, cute. My five-year-old, Dorothy, her name's her dot, she she comes in uh, maybe like 10 minutes later while we're, we were having this conversation the other night and she gets walks in and has scissors and says, so I really need my hair cut. And we already had a haircutting incident before. She cut her own hair and I freaked out. You talk about the old rea- when you react before thinking. Right. Um, this is like this last year. She cut the whole top of her head. She grabbed all of her hair and she cut it all off, like bang, like short bangs to the scalp. Cut it. Right. And I freaked out. And I didn't say you're not allowed to because I, because I knew I shouldn't have freaked out. Really, honestly, I didn't. I couldn't. I wasn't in control of myself. I was like ah, and I definitely was trying to make her feel like I was disapproving. Mm-hmm. I was doing this behavior that my mom did. You know, that's what I was right. doing. And I was like, did you, I was, I thought she was being sneaky because she had the hairs missing. She was like, and she looks at me and she goes, I put it in the garbage because I'm supposed to clean up after myself. And I go, you know what? You're right. Okay. And then I called, I took a minute. I thought about it. I called her into my room and I said, I want to talk to you. The way I was treating you about you cutting your hair was wrong. Because I was thinking that there was a rule that you weren't supposed to cut your hair, but there is no rule because you, right? And I go, I said, there is no rule. And I was treating you like there was a rule that you broke and you did not break a rule. And I'm really sorry for that, right? And I just, you got to apologize. We're libertarians. You got to apologize and make restitution, right? So she goes, I didn't even think there was a rule is what she says, right? This is when she was four. It was before she turned five. She goes, I didn't even think there was a rule. She said, because I own my body. And I own my hair. It's mine. So I thought I could cut it because it was in my eyes. And I said, you right. know what? You really can. You really can. And if you really want help having your hair look a certain way, I can just help you with that. And it's your hair and you can cut it. And I had to really swallow my pride as a mom and the way I want things. You know, you want your kids to look a certain way. Why? That's stupid. So right. I had to really challenge myself on that hair thing, which is because <laughs> I don't want her just cut her hair. But why? Why do uh, like if she? I, I just don't want her to make a mistake that she isn't happy with. Is ultimately what the impetus really is, I think. And so right. I just hashed it out with her, and she had all the logical arguments, and she wasn't doing anything wrong, and she really didn't even think it would be wrong because I'm raising my child to be so free and self possessed that she didn't even question that it would be wrong to cut her own hair. So um, congratulations to me and congratulations to me for making it right when I was being an asshole, excuse my language. So I, um, so she comes in and she's has her hair. She's like, I really want you to cut my hair. And I go, Oh, okay. And I I said, so are you sure you want to cut it? Because when you cut it, it won't grow long. Right. I said, it takes a long time to grow your hair. And I know you've been working on growing the back of your hair out. And she says, she goes, no, I really want it short. I just really need short hair. And I said, okay. And then I go, which part? So she pulls out a long lock of her hair. She grabs it, shows me where to cut it. I cut her hair for her. And then I hand it to her. And then she looks at the hair and she's like, oh, look at this, you know? And then she looks at her dad and says, how much are you going to give me for this? <laughs> How much money are you going to give me for this? Because she doesn't have any loose teeth and she wants to make money. So she cut Aww. her hair thinking he would offer her money. <laughs> That is so awesome. But you see how yep. like how intelligent and, you yep. know, it. Yep. for me, it's just hard. 
I have a hard, I don't want to be, you know, correcting other parents necessarily, but it is really hard for me when I do see a parent like somewhere public and they're just being very totalitarian towards their kids, having these very mm-hmm. uh, authoritative and, you know, forceful way of Believing that's their- the only way that their kids will be good. That they'll exactly. be. And, and, and that is the, what I was raised in. And honestly, I, I would have been good anyway. I, I am, I'm just naturally want to be a good person. I always have. Right. And I don't think that it actually made me a worse parent having to get rid of all of that stuff. Um, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, for me growing up and, you know, now that we're talking kind of about our childhoods, you know, I did have fairly conservative uh, family, conservative mm-hmm. values and ideals but thinking back, I don't know if it was just because, you know, my bro- my siblings always tell me it's because you were the favorite, just hands down, you were the favorite. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is why. Uh, but my parents pretty much left me alone. You know, I was the second child, not the um, the first, but I wasn't mm-hmm. the last. Uh, be- after me, there was two other siblings. Mm-hmm. And I know that does have a lot to do also with kind of the psychology. I, I remember doing this class where um, usually it happens in families of odd numbers of kids, three and five uh, mm-hmm. and seven. In my case, it was even. So certain I picked up certain roles, but each child will have a role. Uh, you know, the youngest will be normally the, the kind of the goofy, you know, funny kid uh, that just yeah, kind of makes the family the laugh. Who tries to earn it? Right, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly, you have all these different roles, and you know, being in an even uh, child family where it was four of us, um, certain roles kind of were different, and I feel like I was the one that still kind of was treated a little bit with more respect. Mm-hmm. Um, because you weren't a problem. Was, you exactly. Were mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and I think for me, that's what has allowed me as gr- as I was growing up to be a little bit more open-minded and yes. uh, kind of use a little bit more free thought. You're also a thinker and an intellectual, and you may not have been as motivated by social cues as some of your other siblings. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I try to... Th- figure that out now, you know, with uh, my two kids and now I have another one coming along and I'm trying to see, you know, okay, what roles are my kids are going to, are going to play? And do I want them to play these different roles? Because honestly, I I think you can actually, we don't really have that now in my family. Um, Let me share that. It has changed so much. You know why? For what happened is that I learned a lot about uh, personalities. I learned a lot about ego work, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, some of the best stuff I've ever read. And so I, I identify as a Christian, but I don't believe in dogma and I don't believe in arbitrary rules that uh, I don't believe in force. I believe in free will and I believe in understanding what consent is and, and actually understanding what the spirit of the rules are and coming mm-hmm. from the right spirit as opposed to doing things because you have to or you won't be loved. That isn't it. 
that isn't the message. So, um, but I read Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now. Um, uh, he's also read, uh, written a uh, new earth. People love it, but, um, it's not a Christian book specifically. It's, it's very non-denominational, but it talks about, um, your ego. And for me, I was able to translate that into what I, the religion I was raised in. And I realized that the word sin in the Bible can be replaced with Eckhart Tolle's ego. And when you start realizing that, that how people perceive things, it's again, self-interest, but we're talking about way on the inside, right. about how they're filling up their pa- fix, healing their pain bodies, what they, how they have these expectations of others because it makes them feel loved and what that, and really what that is. And, um, that was something that was really helpful. And then the Enneagram, um, uh, is like, it's not really a personality test. It's more like a blueprint for personality, uh, defense mechanisms. And so uh, when you can look at your kids and see certain behaviors that are just inherent to them, then you can help them flourish as they are and that they don't have to play a role. They just are who they are. You know what I mean? So highly recommended um, learning about Enneagram. Uh, The tests are not great. I highly recommend just reading through the types and understanding the core motivations of people. And the more you learn about where they're coming from in their heart and what they're afraid of, you can have so many really healthy, peaceful relationships with so many different types of people because you'll know how to communicate to them. Right. It's kind of almost, it almost reminds me of that, that uh, book, um, five, uh, five Love Languages, right? It's kind of the same mm-hmm. concept, even though we're not talking about love, but it's yeah, still it's a the same thing. Than with, that, but yes, right. it, it, that's a really great way to start. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, just understanding how to communicate with people. And, you know, a lot of, I've ran into this situation where I've talked behind the scenes of my podcast with some people and they're like, you know, I'm not sure if you're actually just trying to listen and understand what I'm saying. Are you just trying to not get into an argument? And Oh, because you do have, you have a very diplomatic presence. Exactly, which I don't think a lot of people are used to because of the way we've been raised. Uh, you know, if if you're, they teach us these words like passive aggressiveness, and you know, they do exist, but they confuse it with uh, compliance. Yes, and I don't know where where you would stand on that, but my thing with my own kids is I don't want them to. You know, especially with my son, sometimes he'll do these these traits where he'll like kind of. I'm not sure if he's being passive aggressive or if he's actually trying to, in his own way, listen. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you know, so for me, that's another challenge that I usually have, and I don't know if you've had that challenge with your own kids. What is passive aggression? But yes, if they, I have a child, uh, my daughter, the one that's very emotional. She has really big feelings. She has a hard time understanding them. So I know that, again, libertarianism, we we have a lot of intellectual types in our movement because our beliefs just make sense logically. So of course we do. Of course we have all these intellectual types. And something that's really important for me is bridging the gap for these intellectual types in our movement and helping them understand how to take these exact same principles and... uh, and apply them in our emotional situations to feelings. And that's my specialty, actually. So 
uh, again, it's about negotiating the contracts, communicating, and getting to the bottom of what's really happening. So I think that feelings are really important and take it to the root. You know, we're radical. We we believe in in radical self-ownership. And that means understanding our feelings and being able to name them and why we feel that way. So if somebody's being like uh like just the other day, uh and, and passive aggressiveness is codependency, by the way, for anybody who didn't know. Um, so my husband did that. We like we had a conversation and he's like, Yeah, we should end this right now because it was kind of little, you know, we were we were negotiating. We were hashing mm-hmm. something out. And um, he's like, let's take a break. And I was like, okay. And I walk off and he says a little, like, I always call him ninja stars. He throws a ninja star, <laughs> you know. And I look back and I, and instead of doing it the way I used to, instead of being, because I am, you know, uh, I don't like conflict. I'm not afraid of it. That's what right, I should right. say. I don't like it, but I'm not afraid of it. And I, you know, I can argue. And I look back and instead of doing it the way I would have, which is, get you know i'm not going to rise to that and you have to be that's where the eckhart toll enneagram stuff really helped me learn how to just relax and Mm -hmm. i can make my own reality i don't have to play by these other people's rules including the way people argue i don't have to do any of that i can do whatever i want to so i look back at the kitchen and i kind of laugh i go wait what are we doing right now like, are we back in, are we talking again? Are we all done for real? What is it? Like, what, what was your point of that? Cause I'm not going to walk away with bad feelings if, you know, I'm not going to do that. And I looked at him and he's like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Right. You know, like, like, okay. Right, right. And so we hold each other accountable, but doing it with a laugh and, and, and kind of embracing the absurdity of our egos at times and, and mm-hmm. how we feel a certain way is, has been so healthy, so healthy, James. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the worries I have raising my kids the way I've been, you know, and granted, you know, we co-parent because my, my two kids uh, right now, they're from my previous marriage. And we didn't always agree at first how to raise the kids. And I've, you know, I, I've realized that my ex-wife has realized that the way I talk to my kids is has been very beneficial, especially for my son uh, with his uh, with his uh, autism, and so she's kind of been adopting it uh, here and there. Um, she's still trying to use certain traditional methods as uh, yep. you know she was raised, but still adopting. I've noticed that she has adopted a lot of it. Oh yeah, uh, the way I've been doing because she did notice the 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 advantages and the um, you know, and we talked about it. Mm-hmm. So, but we do have this worry and she has this worry about, cause our kids do go to public schools. And I think, you know, not that it's a bad thing, but I think for you, you've homeschooled your kids and, you know, we have they school for a while with their older ones. And I have to say it is so, home homeschooling is so much better. Homeschooling Absolutely. is so much safer. And the longer that you can keep your kids feeling safe and secure without the social implications and because they are out there learning, they are out there watching, they get their feelings hurt by kids, other little kids, because they're just, everybody's just playing out what they see at home and what they're experiencing, what they see on television. I mean, the media is something that we should be watching uh, very closely. I actually think Mm -hmm. video games are healthier for kids than TV is. So, um, I mean, to be honest with you, TV is massive propaganda 
Mm-hmm. And and by the way, I love TV. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> I want to be honest with everyone here. I love TV. But I was raised with my grandmother who used to watch commercials on TV with me and show me what they were doing to manipulate me. So I wow. had so so when you're watching a movie or a TV show, you have to say that's really codependent. That's a really terrible thing that she doesn't want to wear something because somebody else said that they didn't like it. Why would you let someone have control over you like that? You know, we talk right. to them. We, we explain it all to them if we're watching something like that because the social relationships on television, the lying, the hiding, the never feeling like you can talk about something so they they pretend that mm-hmm. is so prevalent watching children. And we talk about um, people, autism and, and the spectrum. Um, right. uh, let's talk about girls with autism because they are very underdiagnosed. Um, this is something very near and dear uh, to my heart is is health and psychology and understanding the gut-brain connection. And the, the teaching empathy to kids on the spectrum is super important. Um, it's mm-hmm. not that they don't have it. It's that they don't know how to access it and when they should is sometimes right. what it is. They're, they're very singular minded at times and, and they can mm-hmm. only focus on one thing. So one of the reasons why girls are so underdiagnosed that are on the spectrum is because they participate more in mimicry and mimic behavior. Um, so our, our, uh, boys are, have way more, um, diagnosis than girls do for autism. And we do know that the boys absorb toxins and things, certain things can happen differently than for girls. And that little boys have always been more nonverbal than girls. And we, we see all that kind of stuff, but the girls with autism are even more socially influenced, but they have that need and want in them, but they, they don't understand what they're seeing. So they mimic. So when you put their, these kids in front of the Disney channel and there's all these little teen girls being mean and bullying and saying they, they will copy that. They will act right. that way and they don't see anything wrong with it. So you got to watch what your, your kids are watching. And then, Definitely. and then, but when you go to public school, your kids are with all the kids that are watching that stuff and they're going to be practiced on. They will be treated right. those ways that, and the rule group punishments and again, arbitrary rules that don't make sense. So you have to start in your own home as much as possible, especially if they're going to go to public school about what behavior is okay, and what people are trying to get from you when they act a certain way towards you. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of where I worry a lot because certain people, especially, you know, teachers in public school can take what I'm teaching my son and he then practices Mm -hmm. as being, you know, and he is being rebellious in his own way, but it could affect him in a way where he'll be prejudged or judged in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Expected. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And one thing that we teach our kids that we've talked about is always question everything. And that's something that my son has done really, really well his whole life, his whole yeah. nine years, I swear. Yes. Um, and he does it in school and he sometimes does get in trouble for it. And it's a little bit frustrating for me because I feel bad for him. You know, well, is, what, am what I is he questioning? And does he has a phone? Is he allowed to take it to school? Uh, no, they're not allowed to have phones at school, which is okay. understandable. But at the same time, for me, I would rather for my son to have his phone with him at all times because of that worry. I would start teaching him to advocate for himself and that teachers are not his authority that you are. And the teachers right. work for you. Start teaching your kids that... Teachers are not as smart as you are. 
tell them that. <laughs> tell them that. I mean it. You show oh, them yeah, consistently that you are very smart. And if the teacher's telling them that they have to do something that he feels very strongly against, that he has to that say, I want to go to the office and call my dad right now. Right. Tell him to call you. Seriously. Like have him memorize your work number or whatever you're going to do. And you tell the teacher that that if he needs to call home, that he's allowed to. And then you can talk him through the situation and either convince him that he he can change his mind and that maybe he can bend a little bit and do this thing or that, no, he doesn't have to do that. And you tell the teacher no. Because right. I don't think we've all been indoctrinated for generations through public school. So I know for a fact that when a teacher did something, I never felt like I was allowed to say no. Right. I was told to listen to my teacher, listen to my teacher. So that was very confusing to me. And exactly. can you imagine the support we would have had if when a teacher was like, you can't get off the steps for 45 minutes because these two kids are over here screaming. If I needed support through those things to tell me that's wrong, that should have right. never happened to you. I needed support that if a teacher was bullying me that I could have gone and called my parents. Um, I wish I would have had that support. And um, that's the thing is teaching your kids to speak up for themselves and say, no, no, right. I, I, we should do that. And I know that everyone that is, thinks that, uh, that we, we're not allowed to do that with teachers because everybody, we and our parents even think that we should listen to our teachers. It's, I see so many parents who feel so disempowered about what goes on and right. they don't, they don't tell the kids that they can, they don't have to do anything that they know is wrong. They know right. is wrong. So teaching them what is right and wrong at home and, and then telling them that if that something goes down, I'm going to come get you right away. Like that's right. a really important safety for the children. Security mm -hmm. is important. Consistency from us and saying no matter what, this is always how it is. And if this is not happening to you, I'm going to come save you. I mean, imagine right. what we would have felt like having that from our parents. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I can imagine how like tough it is for certain parents too because of the way they were indoctrinated and, you know, they've been told their whole lives you know, oh, you know, their childhood life, you need to listen to the teacher. I remember that all the time, you know, my mom was always telling me because yes. there were times that I was a little bit rebellious. That I was very, I would think things differently. I know that. And I remember I, one of the things that I did not understand <laughs> back in the day, and I grew up in a different country, was we had to write uh, cursive. Like that was like the rule at school. You must write I had cursive. cursive for three years, James. What a waste of my life. <laughs> I, I know, right? Candor, so they would be like, this is this K loop is too skinny. Now it's too fat. And then that like right. all the fucking time. I know. Right. And for me, you know, the way they teach um, in Spain is you, the teacher sits up there and he lectures uh, or she lectures and you take notes. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was so frustrating to have to take notes in cursive. I, I just did not feel effective. And I felt like I was always falling behind. So yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna write just in my own handwriting, because it'll go by faster. And I'll be able to grasp everything that the teacher's um, saying. Mm -hmm. And yeah, is it about learning or is I it got, about following orders? Right. Yes. And I got caught. And I remember this teacher just, he took my notebook and he threw it away and <gasps> said, buy a new notebook and you're going to take those notes again, copy them from a, uh, another student or whatever, but you're not, you know, and I was like, what a waste of my time. 
And I yeah. remember being so upset, right? Well, and I went back home, well. <laughs> right? And I went back home and I was upset. And my and you know my mom was like, "What's wrong?" It's like I'm so mad. The teacher threw away my notebook. And she's like, well, why? Why did he throw away your notebook? And I was like, because I wasn't writing in cursive. Like, and she's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, you need to listen to your teacher. You know, they know what's yeah. best. And, and, you know, they're just trying to set you up for success. And yeah, I all never the cursive understood that you write it. right yeah. now, huh? Yeah. Right, exactly. I don't use it. I do use it sometimes to just impress people because I can. But no, not I don't me. use it on a, <laughs> in a daily yeah, I won't. In principle, I will not write in cursive. <laughs> um, and- I, I'm with you on this. And and this is the thing, though. I really see the need for approval in our society, which is really sad. It's really sad. Right. And I see so many parents who the reason why they're telling their kids to listen is because they believe that they're, that, that if the teacher likes their kid, it reflects upon that parent. This is ego work again. So exactly. when you... And this is codependency. This is why parents are are messing with their kids in the wrong way is if you are trying to make your kid be a certain way because it reflects upon you and your value, then are you there for your child or are they there for you? Like right. grow up, grow up, change your mind. I love everybody. I don't really mean this as harshly as it might sound because I had to investigate this in myself. So I'm really angry mm-hmm. with myself that I was doing that. I was, I'm really angry with myself that I wanted my kids to look a certain way, act a certain way because of how it reflected upon me and getting people to say, wow, Raylene, you're a really great mom. You're doing such a great job. You know, right, that, right. Uh, where I placed the value of, of my kids' freedom is, was selfish. And it was immature and I had to change my mind. I had to. I, I And that's why homeschooling is so valuable for the kids because they are, they get to find the value in what they find the value in and they don't have to play these social games with people they don't care about. Forced socialization is right. creepy, you know? Um, now, when we take a job, we choose to to be in that situation. Every and we 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 just make these kids do everything we would never do that we would right. never want, and and that's where you kind of have to change your mind and go. Yes, sometimes I'm. Yes, it is bedtime, but we have to tell ourselves that too. We have a bedtime, yeah, because we have to get up in the morning. So right. it, 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 the rules should kind of be similar in vain. They should make sense logically. And you know, one of the best things I've ever gotten for I have a very rebellious my my fifth kid is my open. She's just a fierce heart. You know, she's a good girl. She's just very fierce and um, Mm -hmm. a lot like me. And I, but, but wild, right? She's wild. And I, she used to give me a lot of grief and I was like, just do it, just do it. And then I (laughs) I was like, okay, um, I changed my approach and I said, well, this isn't working. What do I got to do? So then I started getting her agreement. I would lay it out. Logically, I look at her, I'm like, so can I get your agreement that this is how it's going to go? You're going to do this because this makes sense. And then she mm-hmm. would make an agreement. And as, when she breaks the agreement, I'll be like, hey, we had an agreement. She looks convicted. I see it. I see it going, <laughs> I did promise I would do this. I got to do it. I have to keep my word. And right. she's five and she understands. So getting your kids agreement to a role, not because you're making them, but actually just being like, what can we agree on here? Let's talk about this so it makes sense. Does this make sense? And then they'll kind of go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And when it makes sense to them, they'll follow the rules. 
Yeah. If they if it makes sense, all the kids that you knew that were rebellious, it's because the rules didn't make sense to them. Right. And they didn't agree to them. And that sounds crazy to go that way, but just practice it. Try it out with the kids that when they understand the rules, just like we think everyone said that's anti-libertarian will go, oh, uh, you know, everyone's going to be out there raping and murdering everybody. No, because everyone agrees that raping and murdering is bad and the people who are right. going to do it are going to do it anyway, whether there's a law or not. Exactly. And if we kind of take that mentality and try it with our kids and get their agreement, not because we're forcing them to, but but showing them that we respect them and that mm-hmm. we value their input. And then when we make more sense, they'll usually come around and go, okay, now I get it. Um, usually. And right. you've got to teach them why and how, but, but they will. And then they follow the rules. They're kind of like, oh, you're yeah. right. I got to do this. You know? No, absolutely. And they figure things out. Just another kind of kid story with my son uh, to kind of just end it off uh, there. Uh, we went to the movie theater to watch the Star Wars movie, which, by the way, was pretty great. Not to promote it or anything, but it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, uh, we're at Disney. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, we went to the movie theater, and there was nobody there. And my daughter likes going through, like, you know, how they set up the line to get to the box office the with the yeah. yeah with the ropes. She likes going through them and running through it to get to the box office. And um, my son just totally skipped it just totally went straight to the box office and she was like jimmy you're supposed to go through the ropes and it was just so cute he was like abby i don't have to do anything that anybody tells me and i was (laughs) like oh my gosh this kid Uh." (laughs) it's it's great but at the same time it's like oh he just said that out loud people are like going to (laughs) <laughs> think that I'm a horrible parent, but for me, it's okay, you know. My friend, and I'll tell you why, because he's logically right. And so, when if you're worried about that and bridging the gap between other people, what you say is, um, well, he doesn't have to follow rules that don't make any sense. Right. That's all you have to say. Exactly. Just say it like that, and just say that to your daughter. She's going to go, "Oh, that makes sense." And then anybody listening is going to go, "Oh, yeah, that's true." There's nobody in line, and that's yeah. stupid. Why do we farm animals? Right. (laughs) And no, that's exactly what I ended up explaining to her. I was like, well, you know, there's nobody in line and he didn't like cut anybody or hurt anybody. So I guess it's okay. And she was like, oh, so she's like, I just like going through it and dancing. And I was like, well, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So any last thoughts for the listeners? no, just remember that your your children are just trying to make sense of this world. So try to be consistent and disciplined in the real reasons why there are rules. Just be honest about to yourself about why you do what you do and why you think what you think. And uh and and share that wisdom with your kids. Share what you're learning about why you think a certain way and what what you believe or what you want from them is it about you or is it about them yeah that's perfect yeah i 100 <laughs> percent agree <laughs> thank you so much raylene for being on uh it's always a pleasure i just enjoy our conversations they're always amazing hey. so uh You're great. i am looking forward to uh blast off coming back that's coming soon right Yes, very soon. I cannot wait. I'm so ready to get back in the seat. I'm sure a lot of my listeners are too. Uh, a lot of my listeners also listen to your show. So yeah, we're ready. Hey guys, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much again, Raylene, for being on. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's been so fun.